And so really, this morning, I just want to touch on, on three quick areas which we can, we can look at, three ways that Easter can give us hope for our lives. And the first thing I want to say is that His life shows us that He understands you. It's His life, the very fact that Jesus came to earth. You know, we, we, we celebrate, yes, His death and His resurrection, but the life that came before is just as important as, as, as the death and the resurrection. His life, the fact that Jesus came to earth, shows that He understands us. You see, you may be here today, and to be honest with you, you, you may be a little bit skeptical about the fact that Jesus lived and, and that the accounts that we read in the Bible are actually true. But let me tell you, most historians actually would, would, would agree with what's written in the, in the Bible. You can go do your research, but most historians would say there was a man called Jesus. There was this man who, who, who shook up the world at that time and, and did many miracles and lived this amazing life, this, this wise teacher. There was a man named Jesus. Even historians acknowledge it. But the Bible says this in Hebrews 4, verse 15. It says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. You see, he, has, he lived a life here on earth. He understands everything we go through. Isn't that a great comfort? You, you may have been hurt. You may have been betrayed. You may have been abused, lonely, afraid. All of these things that happen in the world. But we have Jesus Christ who represents us, who lived a life here on earth just like us. You, you may even say to me, and I'm, you know, being, being a pastor, I meet with various people and and oftentimes I have to hold up my hands and say, I don't know how you feel. I've never been through what you've, what you've been through. I can't understand. I can maybe show some sympathy and I can maybe put myself in their shoes. But, I, you know, I, I'm limited. But God knows. Not only does he know, but he also lived on earth. He understands. He stepped down into our shoes. And so God does understand you. You may think no one else understands you. God understands you. Jesus understands you because he lived here on earth. I've, I've had many jobs down through the years and um, in, in various uh, countries and various fields and I studied biochemistry and then I ended up working in banking and now I'm, 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 I'm in church as well and, and so really been all over. I've worked in a golf resort, can you believe it? That was probably my favorite job. Um, but down through the years, I've, I've worked for various bosses. And, you know, you have some bosses who are very aloof, uh, some who would sit in their corner office and just all they're interested is in your results and your performance. All they're interested in you ticking the boxes, doing everything you need to do. But I've also had bosses that, that, that come and, and they kind of put themselves down on the level of the, of the employee. They work alongside them. They, they understand what their frustrations are. And then they go and they say, well, now I'm going to try to make things better for you. And then it's a very limited illustration. But, you know, God is not that aloof boss that sits in his corner office. He's not a God that stays up in heaven, is not interested. He's one that came down to earth, that sacrificed his, his, his position in heaven to come down and live with us. And isn't that wonderful that um, he, was, he, he, he was here on earth, he wasn't accepted, he was rejected by people even those that he created. He knew discomfort. He knew hunger. He knew temptation. He knew loneliness. 
in anticipation of the suffering that he was going to go through. You know, he even sweated blood at one time. But God went through all of these things, yet he did not sin. So he understands our situation perfectly. He understands your situation. We have a God that understands us. So that's the first thing. His life shows that. His life here on earth shows that he understands us. That that is reason for hope. But also, there's another thing that we can say that his death, and this is where the Easter story comes in so powerfully, his death shows us that he loves us. His death shows that he loves you. He not only understands you, but he also loves you. For those that, again, are skeptics, most historians agree that that the man Jesus Christ was crucified and died. If you, if you read most non-Christian and Christian um, historians, they would agree that. It's fairly well documented, even outside of the Bible. Jesus died. Romans 5.8 says this, that God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I absolutely love that verse. He didn't die for the promising. He didn't die for the, the, the ones that, that we see as the potential presidents and prime ministers and stars of the future. He didn't die, die for people who seem to have it all together. He died for all of us while we were yet sinners. And the truth is obviously no one has it all together anyway. But he died for us. He died for the, the hopeless ones. You see... Down through history, many people have given their lives for noble causes. People have given their lives for their countries. You know, William Wallace, big hero up in Scotland, gave his life for his country, fought uh, for his country. We can think of so many other examples. But the difference is that Jesus died for those that were enemies to him still, those that rejected him, those that despised him. He he still died for them. He died for thieves and murderers. He, He died for you and me. He showed his love through his death. And and that's what we remember at Easter time. His death that happened on Good Friday. And we we remembered that so wonderfully on, on, on Friday. That he died for our sins. You see, he would rather die in your place than live without you. I'll say that again. He would rather die in your place than live without you. Because that's what would have happened if he hadn't died, is that, that, that us in our sinfulness could never go to heaven if it was dependent on us. But God said, I don't want that separation. I don't, I don't want Andy separated from me any longer. I would die in his place so that I wouldn't have to have separation with Andy or any one of us that it could be. He died so that he wouldn't have to be separated from us. We can pause at this time, and, and, and I know sometimes it's sensitive, isn't it? And if you've watched the, the, the Passion of Christ, who's watched that movie? And a lot of people haven't, and it's very gruesome, and I know plenty of people that just can't, you, you know, can't, can't watch it, and that's okay. Um, To be honest with you, I'm not a sensitive viewer and I struggled to watch it because the gruesomeness of the pain that Jesus went through when he died on the cross. But what I love about the fact that as he took those, those lashes on his back 
as he took the nails in his hand, that his spirit never changed. He always kept his focus on everyone else around him, didn't he? How amazing are they? That God, as he went through that pain on the cross, was thinking of you and me. He was even thinking of that, that thief that was dying next to him. When, when he cried out and he said, have mercy on me, he said, I tell you what, today you will be with me in paradise. Always thinking of those around us. Lord, um, Lord, have mercy on them. Lord, they don't know what they're doing. Always thinking of those around him. When he died on the cross, he was thinking of you and me. His death shows the love that he had for us. And that's the miracle that we can be reconciled to him. Reconciliation. I love that word. Reconciliation. That we can be reconciled to the God who created us. Even though we don't deserve it, through the grace of God, we can be reconciled. I was just reflecting on on a story again recently. And for those of you that don't know, I'm, I'm from South Africa. And so South Africa, we've got a very shameful past. You know, as a South African, I'm, I'm very ashamed of all the things that went on in my country down through the years. And, and um, yet there's things I'm proud of too. And, and, and in the aftermath of obviously the apartheid era, um, the, the government put together what they called the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And I don't know if you know much about that. It was really just to, to, to go through all the suffering, the hardship, all the oppression that went through the apartheid years. It was to bring that all out. And, and try to get healing. And obviously, you, know, you may have heard of the Nuremberg trials where it was, you know, in World War, where it was just about justice, bringing people to justice. But the wonderful thing that I'm so proud of in my country is that they said, okay, we're going to do things differently. It's not just about justice. It's about the truth coming out, and it's about reconciliation. And so they basically put together this, this Truth and Reconciliation Commission where they said, whoever's committed atrocities in the past through their apartheid era, if you're willing to come forward, tell the whole truth, and if you're totally honest, then there will be an opportunity for amnesty or total forgiveness for those things that you have done during the past era. Really in the name of, of saying, you know what? Pain upon pain is not going to bring a future for a country. Forgiveness upon the pain of the past is going to bring a future for a country. And so many things came out of, of the, the crazy things that happened. And this all, all happened in the 90s as I was just kind of finishing school and, and, and going into university. And, and, and I, I was able to watch a lot of that. And, and can I say, you know, the, where my country is at the moment is built upon the, the hurts that were healed through these periods. But there was one story that really stuck out to me. And it was about a lady who, um, who had... Um, had lost her son and her husband to this one guy in the military, South African military, a, 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 a hard man. He was obviously trying to, to, to find, root out people that were with sympathizers with, with the, 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 the opposition regime. And, and he himself and his, his, his group of, of, of soldiers responsible for her son's death and her husband's death. And so all of this came out and he came before the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and he came clean. He said everything that happened and in graphic detail and I'm not going to go into all of that. But what happened is a member of the South African uh, TRC or Truth and Reconciliation Commission turned to the lady, 
By this time, she was a widow, 70 years old, um, a little bit frail by this time. She'd lived a hard life. And they asked her, so what do you want to do now? How should justice be done to this man who has so brutally destroyed your loved ones? And listen to her response. And this is what she said. She said, I want three things. She said, calmly and confidently. First, I want to be taken to the place where my husband's body was burned so that I can gather up the dust dust, and give him a decent burial. She then paused and she said, and my husband and my son were my only family. She said, I want secondly, therefore, for Mr. Van der Broek to become my adopted son. This is the, the soldier or the, the military guy. I would like for him to come twice a month to my home and spend a day with me so that I can pour out on him whatever love I still have remaining within me for the rest of my years, she said. And finally, she said, with tears welling in her eyes, she said this, I want a third thing. I would like for Mr. Van der Broek to know that I offer him my forgiveness because Jesus Christ died to forgive. This was also the wish of my husband. And so I would kindly ask that somebody would come to my side, lead me across the courtroom, so that I can take Mr. Van der Broek in my arms, embrace him, and let him know that he is truly forgiven. What an amazing woman. And, and you know what? An amazing woman because she had encountered God and it was flowing out through her. That she could love a man who had hurt her so much, that had taken loved ones away from her. It, it's, it's the beauty of reconciliation. It's the beauty of grace, forgiveness, that, that even though we have, in a way, nailed the, the, the very nails through Jesus' hands because of our sin, that He would forgive us. He would embrace us and He would say, there's forgiveness for you. He showed us His love through His death. And lastly, his resurrection shows that he can change you. His life shows that he understands you. His death shows that he loves you. But his, li- his resurrection shows that he can change you. The Bible says this, Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so... We also should walk in newness of life. Romans 6 verse 4. That was actually on the end of the video as well. And you see, this is the only part of of the the story of Easter that, that some historians disagree with. Because many of them will say that he didn't raise from the dead. Some would say he did. And of course, we, we firmly believe that he did. But it all hinges on this. That Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. You see, history does teach us, tell us that a group of Jesus' followers changed the world after his resurrection. They went on to spread this message of hope to every single part of the globe. Jesus only traveled a matter of less than 100 miles during his lifespan. He, he, he never really traveled much further than that. But this message of hope went to every corner of the earth through these followers that were transformed when Jesus rose again from the dead. You see, a group of of Jesus' followers that previously were scared and were scattered when he was arrested went on to, to change the world. If Jesus really wasn't resurrected, would they have really done that? 
It's not a con. It's not a story. It's a story of people's lives being changed and transformed because Jesus rose again from the dead. Romans 8.11 says this, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in us, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. This is the wonderful thing, that the Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead can live within us. That can transform lives. I'm sure you can all, all, all think of a few people where you have seen the Spirit of God changing people's lives from black to white, from, from hopeless to hope, to full of hope. Paul shared a little bit earlier, you know what, I've, I've listened to Paul, I'll pick him on him because he was up front and he's sitting in the front row, but I listened to a podcast before I came to Arena about Paul's testimony that he shared, and it was moving. We heard a little bit of it tonight. There's so much more to tell. But how God can change a man from one thing to the other. Liz is there too. Liz's life has been changed. But God can change people. It's the Spirit of God that can raise Jesus from the dead, can turn your life around. It can give you hope. A God that understands us. A God that loves us. But also a God that can change us. That can change Peter, this man who would deny Jesus on the night that he was betrayed and say, I don't even know this guy, to being a man who would lead, lead the church and would eventually die himself for the message of hope and the message of truth. You see, Jesus is raised from the dead. He is alive. He is real. He has changed our lives. He is going to change even more lives because He is the only God, the only Lord. He is our salvation. First Peter, written by First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5 that we read earlier. I'll read it in the message. It's not going to come up on the screen. It's just a different version of the one we read earlier. It says this. It says, What a God we have. I love that. What a God we have. What an amazing God we have. How fortunate we are to have Him. This Father of our Master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And it says as the future starts now. You see, we've got a a brand new future here on earth, but we've also got the hope of a home in heaven. You know, for that for that man that I met on the marketplace who who was who was who was distraught at the fact that there was so much suffering in the world, how could there ever be a God? Let me tell you, there is a God and there is a place where there will be no more suffering. There is a place where there will be no more pain. But that's a place that is reserved for those that say, God, I love you. I trust you. I accept the sacrifice. Because there would be no perfect place if I was to enter in, Lord God. But the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross can cover our sins. And so that we can say for sure that we have a hope of a place in eternity. But it starts now. Hope is here too for for this life, 
that we live. A real hope. You see, hope is a, an interesting word. We, we use it quite loosely, don't we? We say, I hope it's going to be a good summer. Or, I hope my wife's made a good dinner tonight. And it's a bit, little bit of a wishy-washy word sometimes when we use it, isn't it? But this is a different hope. This is a, a hope, a certain hope. A certain hope that we know exactly what we're going to get because God is good for His Word. A hope of a bright future and a hope that starts today. Why don't we just bow our heads right now as I bring this to a close today. If we can all bow our heads and isn't it wonderful that we do have a God that understands us. His life shows that. He lived, he lived on earth. He knows all the things we go through, the temptations, the struggles, the anxieties that we face, the hardship we face. He, he, he experienced it. He understands us. But it didn't stop there. He went and he died on the cross for us and he loves us. And what's more, he rose again on the third day. And he can change us. If you don't know Jesus, well, you're in the right place. The wonderful thing is that he's standing with open arms. And this Easter can be a a moment where your life changes around. This Easter can be a time when you say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want to turn my life over to you, God. I I need hope in a hopeless world. You need to acknowledge the fact that you're, you're lost without him. Cry out to him and say, Jesus, I need you. I wonder if anyone is here this morning that would, would want, want to be making that commitment to Jesus. All the heads are bowed and there's no need for embarrassment. I'm not going to call you forward. But I wonder if you'd like to commit your life to Jesus for the very first time. If you would just hold up your hand. Anyone at all? He understands us. He loves us. He died for us. He rose again. the challenge for all of us, whether we know Jesus or not. The challenge is to say, Lord, this Easter, Lord, it's going to be like a a renewal for me. It's going to be a moment where I'm going to say, God, I'm coming back. I'm going to focus again, Lord, on the wonderful message of Easter. Lord, I'm going to again uh, tap in to the hope that you provide, Lord God. You see, the Christian life is often like a I'm not a musician, but a little bit like a guitar. It can easily go out of tune and you constantly have to tune it back in. And, and so even pastors, even, even church leaders often have to just retune it again and say, God, I'm coming back. Yes, Lord, I'm here again to worship you. Jesus, we thank you for Easter, Lord. We thank you for the message of hope. We thank you, God, that hope is here. Hope is here in Mansfield. 
Hope is here across every church where the gospel is preached this morning. Lord, it's not just Arena. It's all the other churches in Mansfield and beyond. It's down in Ilkeston, God. It's throughout the world and all the corners of, of the world that are represented here. Lord, we thank you that hope is here like a wave uh, today, Lord, starting in Australia and going all the way through to Hawaii or wherever it may be. Lord, there's, there's people worshiping you. There's people casting their cares on you and saying, my hope is in you, Lord this Easter. God, we do pray um, that uh, Arena Church, Lord, would, um, would be revitalized, Lord, individual by individual this Easter. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.